This podcast contains strong language, details of drug use, violence, recounting of traumatic events and themes which listeners may find upsetting. Hello and welcome to the Recovery Hub podcast. I'm Caitlin from Eternal Media and today we're at the Half and When Detox Unit in Wrexham and I'll be having a chat with Zoe. When I found out that I'd be interviewing Zoe for this episode, I was really excited for it. I've heard a lot of great things about Zoe from Marcus and other friends in recovery. I've also heard her share once and I remember thinking that woman's passion and energy is an all-around vibe and I need a bit of that in my life. So we're going to jump right into it. Here's the conversation with Zoe. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to the Recovery Hub podcast. I'm Caitlin from Eternal Media and today we are at the Half and When Detox Unit and I'm here with Zoe. Hiya. Hi Zoe. You alright? Yeah, I'm good. I finally get to interview you. Yeah, I know. I've been looking forward to this, yeah. I'll be honest. I mean, we have met once before. I was in a treatment centre and I come to an NA meeting a yeah. half and when. Yeah. But I know Nikki really well and Nikki's told me a lot about you, all oh. good things. So I was really excited for yeah. this. I'll pay him later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ask him. So he said the 20 quid's in the post. Sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I will. <laughs> So, tell me a bit about you. I want to know about you. A bit about me? Yeah. Right. So, um, I'm in recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've been in recovery since 2015. So, it's over seven years now. Yeah. Um, I'm a paid recovery worker in the detox that we're in right now. Have and when. That's cool. Um, I've been a recovery worker since 2015. I started off volunteering. And then I progressed and I'm a recovery worker now. I yeah. facilitate the psychosocial intervention groups, the morning group sessions, referrals, all that type That's of stuff. Brilliant. Yeah. Dead hands on, just how I like it. Yeah. You know? That's quite similar to myself. Um I volunteer at the treatment centre yeah. I was in. Lovely. And I love it. Yeah. I never thought I knew, I always known I was a people person, but I never ever imagined myself helping people like me. I ne like didn't think I'd ever be in like this line of work you know no and it feels amazing doesn't it it's mad isn't it on the flip yeah. on the flip side of that I don't know about yourself but I know that I have these um brief moments where I can be doing something and all of a sudden I'll just kind of remember what life was like pre-2013 yeah and I'll just be like wow I can't believe I actually used to smoke crack that is mad. I actually used to stick needles all over my body, eat out of bins. Do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I live at animal level. And, it, you know, I'm sat there in, you know, in my home and it's clean and it's tidy and it's just madness, isn't it? Yeah. Now you take pride in you, in yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I can actually wear makeup and be a woman. Yeah. Where I could never do that when I was in addiction and no self-esteem, no self-worth. You know, didn't know who's able. It was easier to be a lad. I hated women because I felt judged and less than. Yeah. And it was easy to be one of the lads because all I had to do was wear a tracksuit, walk with a little bounce to the left. Yeah. Hair tied back. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what was your substance of choice? Was it? What wasn't my substance of choice? You know. Anything that checked me out of life, anything that numbed me from life, took Zoe out of Zoe. Zoe was always a lost, scared, lonely little girl who wanted to be liked and loved and accepted in a world where she didn't 
fit in or she didn't feel that she fitted in, you know. So any substance that checked me out of that feeling bought me another feeling. Well, I wouldn't even say it bought me. It bought me numbness. It bought me escape. It bought me avoidance. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, kind of totally. like, whether that was, you know, cannabis, whether it was diazepam, whether it was, you know, it didn't matter whether the off-license was my dealer, my doctor was my dealer, your man on the street corner was my dealer, any substance that numbed me. Yeah. Totally can relate, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, prescription medications, mental health medication, cannabis, alcohol, heroin, crack cocaine. You know, it's kind of like, sometimes it's easier to say, well, I haven't used. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because the list goes on. When did it start for you, Zoe? Would you say? I can remember. So it's funny, isn't it? Because like, we kind of get clean and we always question ourselves, don't we? Where did yeah. it start? Where was the line crossed? Was I born with it? Did I catch it? You know, this thing yeah, called Yeah, was addiction. it hereditary? Yeah. yeah. Was I born with them cells in my brain? Yeah. You know, was it like a little chromosome I've got? Did I catch it? Yeah. And it was, I can remember. So like I've just said, it's kind of like that, that escape and taking me out of me. I can remember being as young as about five or six. Yeah. And um, I had a guardian because my mum was a hard worker and I used to have this private guardian that, you know, my mum paid to look after yeah. me. And if I was naughty, she'd put me on a timeout. Yeah. And it was behind this armchair in the Liverpool, the big leather armchairs. And the drinks cabinet was behind there. And she used to have um, Quantro, Tia Maria, Baileys. And I can remember I used to sneak. The, so I'd go on a time out. Yeah. You know, where I'm meant to be sat there reflecting about what I've just done. <laughs> yeah. Zoe was getting the cabinet open and there used to be these little round switches. And I got on there. If it, I pressed it in and pulled it open, it wouldn't make that click, that dead loud click. I'd be sat there swigging the tea, Maria. Yeah. The you way know? you're learning them sneaky behaviours at such a young age, that's just exactly. giving me goosebumps because you know what, Zoe, I can relate to that. Can you? Like, doing little things like that, with that, like, figuring out my brain, how can I make this so it's not bang on? Yeah. But as a child, I shouldn't even be thinking like that or no. knowing that. I know always knowing this is wrong, but it feels exactly. right, so I'm going to keep doing it. Do you know it's what I mean? It's the nature-nurture yeah. thing, isn't it? It's kind of like, is it nature? Is it nurture? And it's like, well... To be honest, I can, like like I've just said, I was deceitful, I was dishonest, I was sneaky. And I got on to the fact very early on that using that Tia Maria would take me out of me. Yeah. You know? It's like when I started smoking. I didn't like it. I just wanted to be a cool kid. Everyone else is Everyone doing else it. Everyone else is yeah. doing it. I want to fit in. I want to look cool. Because yeah. I never liked who, who, who kind of like I was. Do you know what I mean? I never liked who I was. I was always looking for something. It was eating disorders. I had bulimia. Yeah, me yeah? too. Self-harm. Yeah. I can, and I'd hide it. I, I was, you know, I'd seen a child psychiatrist about 13, 14. And uh, now I know is that was all ways of the coping with me internally because I didn't like me. Yeah. I didn't know who I was. I didn't feel, you know, you can say, can't you, all the cliches, oh, I didn't feel a part of. I was never comfortable anywhere. Yeah. I could never have a place where I was always at ease. I always had to have something in me. So it was the smoking, it was the it was the self-harm, it was the eating disorders. And then obviously, you know, I looked up to the older, the older generation. Yeah? Yeah. I want to be just like them. So I'd be drinking the Thunderbirds just like them and the Diamond White and the Blue Nun and <laughs> 
you know? And then I suppose kind of like, I've already tried that. I've already, I've started smoking, yeah? Alcohol's not really doing it for me. And along come, there's cannabis. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, a little one pop. <laughs> yeah. Thinking I was Cheech and Chunk. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, it started wagging school, getting stoned. And I suppose I hear it a lot. I don't know about yourself, but, oh, it started on a, on a Friday night, then a Friday and a Saturday, then a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. And then I found LSD and I used to love LSD. I used to love taking LSD. Because it completely mashed me. Yeah. Hallucinogenic. Yeah. And I'd be like, wow, this is funky, man. Like Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I did. Started selling it at 14, thinking I was like, you know, proper bob on. Yeah. You know, like, look at me, I'm selling LSD. And I remember all the, all the cool, all the like the lads, boy racers back then. Yeah. Used to have these three quarter leather jackets. So I got my mum to get me a leather jacket and... I wanted to fit in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That lifestyle just appealed to me. I don't want to be a good girl going to school. Yeah. You know? And where, where was you like, where was you living? Like, where, where did you grow up? So I grew up in a place called Acton. Yeah. My mum still lives there now, you know? Um, my mum was a hardworking woman, provided for me, you know? Um, I lived with her until I was 15. I moved out at 15. And I went to live with my sister. Um, that didn't last for long. And I moved in with my partner at the time and his mum and dad. So 15, I was kind of like living away from home. Quite independent already then. Independent, but so codependent. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Thinking I was independent. Like having to grow up, but like, and you think you're this independent oh. woman, but you, you're still a child, like. Definitely. Responsibility. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, pay for electric? No, I'll have it on the fiddle. Yeah. Isn't that what you do? Isn't that what everyone does? Exactly. <laughs> what do you mean, pay for your weekly shopping? Don't you just push it out in a trolley from yeah. Asda? <laughs> I used to think I was like, I'd be going round dead cheeky, nothing's changed. And it's kind of like, I used to proper go round and I would fill the trolley. Proper like taking the mick. Yeah. And then just push it out. Like, I'm like entitled to this. Exactly. Yeah. What do you mean I can't do it? Do you not know I think I am? Exactly. All <laughs> of that. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. It's mad. Totally. So like, at this point now, so you were living with your sister and then you moved in with your partner at the time's family. Yeah. Did you used to use with him? Like, did you used to get on it together and that? So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I used drugs with him. Yeah. You know, the specific of which drug it was didn't really matter. Yeah. You know? Um, and I suppose that I didn't see anything wrong with the cannabis. You know, we'd be walking around Erdig, getting stoned, just lying there, rolling, you know, rolling about in laughter, looking at the yeah. stars and... You know, proper stoners like, oh my God, that star looks amazing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's doing it, man. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I'm just a proper cool kid. I've got it going on because I'm smoking weed and I don't live with my mum anymore. So I can do what I want when I want. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I found out I actually was in the back of a car and we were stopped on a car park. I think someone was making a spliff and... I seen him with this silver foil and I remember going, what's that? 
And I remember him looking and going, heroin. And it's mad because at the time, I was dead against that. Yeah. You know? His, his friends couldn't come up to him on the street if I was with him. I'd be telling them to go away, calling them all sorts. Yeah. Proper, like, ignorant and arrogant, but thinking I had it going on. Yeah. Because underneath all that, watching him, so watching him be under the effects of the heroin, I used to look at it and think, wow, that looks dead sexy, that. Yeah. That looks amazing. I want to be like that. When I grow up, I want to be just like that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, the attraction was there. And I actually asked someone else to get me some. And they wouldn't. And um, they actually told him. And he ended up getting at me. Oh, no way. You know? I remember taking it. I, used to, <laughs> I took it and I just remember throwing up like I'd never thrown up before. Totally off my face. Really? Proper poison. And I remember I couldn't even look. So thinking I was hiding my eyes. I put these round sunglasses on, but they were pink round, you know, like John Lennon. Yeah, proper rose tinted rose, John Lennon rose tinted glasses. Yeah. And do you know what? What a kind of um, what's the word where it proper fits? Because that's what I was looking yeah. through the world with rose tinted glasses, literally with rose tinted. Yeah, glasses. I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't, I didn't sign up for kind of like being an addict, sticking needles all over my body. No. Nearly dying, you know, being on life, you know, on, um, well, yeah, life support machines in the hospital, blood transfusions, nearly dying. Mad. I didn't sign up for all of that. So that's where the rose-tinted glasses comes in because I thought everything was still cool. Yeah. You know, I thought everything was still cool. Trying all these drugs, I'm all right, you know. And then I suppose kind of like, that's why I was saying earlier on, it's like, where was the line? Was there a line crossed? Yeah. You know? Was it always going to be like that? And I believe it was because it wasn't about the drug. It was about me as a person. That's it though, isn't it? It's yeah. not the substance. It's it's us. Yeah. And it took me a long time to realise that it's it's me. Yeah. I'm the problem. Yeah, definitely. You couldn't tell me nothing though back then. No. You know, I wouldn't have listened. You could have told me I just wouldn't have listened. Well, that's it. It wouldn't have changed yeah. anything. No. Because at the time, that's... How it was. I needed to experience what I experienced. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like... I couldn't have just dipped my toe in. No. I needed to go. Not needed to. Perhaps that's the wrong terminology, but there wasn't a, there wasn't any other way for me. Well, people like us, there isn't any other way, is there? Because no. if we're not doing it, we're thinking about it. And if we're not thinking, you know, it's kind of yeah. like... If we're not thinking about it, we're out there making the money for it. If we're not exactly. making the money for it, we're taking it. If we're not yeah. on, off our face and under the influence of it, what's next? Oh, by the way, how did you fund your habits? Oh, lots of criminal activity. Yeah. Shoplifting, selling, you know, selling drugs. Yeah. Um, shoplifting. At the beginning, I didn't have to do anything because um, my partner was doing it. Yeah. You know, but he was always in jail. And then I'd always be left on my own. And I had kids and, you know, so codependent. So absolutely um, in the grip of addiction. There yeah. wasn't, it never used to come into my head. Why don't you just stop? 
because I couldn't. Yeah. I used to have these, like, dreams of being clean, but I could never do it. That's mad, isn't it? Yeah. So I suppose I did have the thought to stop. Yeah. I could just never back it up with the action. Yeah. You know? The want was there, but you just couldn't. The, the want to get clean was there, but the need for the substance yeah. was greater. Because the addiction's too strong. Yeah. And I think people don't realise that, do they? That addiction is so powerful. I didn't realise that it was an, um, a mental illness yeah. as well as a physical yeah. illness. Yeah. yeah. Like, my family's still coming to terms with that. Are they? As well. You yeah. know, that it's a mental illness. Yeah, but we educate our families as well. Totally. I mean, and you know, I'm still learning. We're all still learning, really, aren't we, on some God, level? Absolutely. You never stop learning, do you, really? No. I don't know. Sometimes I think I want to. Sometimes I think, do you know what? I know enough now. I don't want to go through any other life experiences. <laughs> yeah. I don't want anything else. I don't want to be taught anything else. But that's not the real world, is it? No. Unfortunately, you've, you know... You've got to keep learning in order to survive in the world that we're in. Well, that's it. You know? Especially how we're adapting to the recent, like, COVID yeah. and the lockdowns and that. We've had to adapt, so we've had to learn. We've had to learn. The world is different now. Yeah. You know? So that that's something kind of like that resilience, isn't it, of we need to adapt and we need to learn and we need to be open-minded. Yeah. You and know? accept as well. We need to accept. Yeah. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Yeah. So for me, it's that adapting that's put me in good stead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? How did you survive back then? You know, when you know you, your partner's in and out of jail, you've got kids and, you know, how, how did you survive and how did you adapt? I'll be really honest. I survived as long as I did because I was always in this detox. Two or three times a year. I'd check myself in here. Uh, how did you end up in here? How did you actually find out about, about this place? So what happened is that I went to the doctors. I'd been, I was really ill, physically sick all the time, drained, yeah. proper lethargic. And I went and he went, oh, well, you're 22 weeks pregnant. I was like, what? Oh. He said, you're 22 weeks pregnant. Congratulations. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, congratulations. Are you mad? I'm a raging heroin addict. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm on benzo, so I'm on benzodiazepines, which is your diazepam. Yeah. I was on sleeping tablets, antidepressants, diazepam, smoking weed, and and it was kind of like I just knew that I wasn't going to bring a baby into the world. Addicted yeah. to that, so I went to my local SMS service, and I I can't even remember. I think the doctors got in touch with the local, so the SMS was the substance misuse service in the community. Okay, yeah. That's how our patients come in to have them when, through your community teams. Yeah. And I went then, because I was pregnant and I was, I didn't find out till I was like 22 weeks. They got me in within a couple of days. Wow. I think a week. They tried me on some prescription medication, you know, opiate replacement therapy. Yeah. Methadone tablets. And, um, I, I couldn't, I could not stop the obsession about the heroin and, you know, and I used on top of my prescription. Because it's a little ritual as well yeah, that you have, isn't it? it? Yeah, I knew, that's all I knew, you yeah. know. I was 18 and um, I was pregnant with this little, this thing inside of me. Do you know what I'm saying? But you were terrified. I was, yeah. So I come in here and um, I stayed in here until I, until I had her. Yeah. You know, I went out into the community for like a couple of days, but relapsed. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, I'm coming back and I'm just staying in here. Yeah, keep yourself until... safe. And the baby. I was just determined that 
um, she wasn't going to be born addicted, you know? Yeah. And actually, a little uh, story for you is um, I actually got the rules changed in the Rex and Myla Hospital. Oh, really? Yeah. Because what they did back then, now you're talking 97 she was born, you know, 24 years. They did things a lot different. Yeah. And even if, so say you'd been using for 20 weeks of your pregnancy, even if you'd been clean for 20 weeks of your pregnancy, they still put the baby into special care and give it the medicine. Oh, bloody hell. And I was like, but my baby won't be addicted to anything. Yeah. So I did loads of research and I had loads of meetings with the pediatrician, you know, the pediatric team, the yeah. team for the babies, consultants, midwives, and we did all this research. And I actually got the rules changed because there was me and another girl in here. And they actually did some research into the way that a baby... It's a bit technical, but the way that a baby survives in the womb and how things come through the placenta and stuff. Yeah. So they actually changed it and they introduced the APGAR score. So instead of just automatically taking them, they kind of go on a scale. Is the baby crying, shaking, you know, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, to do it properly instead of just going, yeah. well, you have been addicted and you're this, you're that. Exactly. So the baby's tarnished with the same brush, not given yeah. a chance to exactly. actually see if the baby's strong enough. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, because I love a good, <laughs> I love breaking rules. And yeah. I mean that in the nicest sense. I can stick to rules these days. Yeah. But I'm also one for kind of like, if I think it needs to be changed. Bit of a rebel, yeah. If oh, it absolutely. Stick it to the man. If if. Through it needs to be through. changed. No, I totally, yeah. I get that. I'm, yeah. I'm with that, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I'm an honest member of society now. Yeah. You know? Um, but you can still be kind of like stigmatised and discriminated against. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I, I've got no problem standing up and being that voice, you know? Yeah. I'm doing it with uni at the minute, aren't I? That's brilliant. So... It is what it is, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I actually went off track there. I'm sorry. No, don't don't worry about it. So um, yeah, I've come in through my substance misuse. I was in here until like full term, and then then she was born. No complications. That's fucking amazing. Dead healthy. You know, I'd been clean for eighteen weeks yeah. by the time she was born. So, how was yeah. you feeling mentally at this time? Lost, scared. Yeah. Overwhelmed. I've got a baby and beautiful baby. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I didn't know how to be a mum. I had no parenting skills. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I did the best I could, but drugs always got in the way. You know, being a mum's hard work, isn't it? Especially when you're that young. Yeah. You know, I mean, I haven't got children of my own, but I can only imagine. Yeah. You I was know. a kid having kids. Well, that's it. You're a kid yourself. A kid having kids who still wanted to be a kid. Well, yeah. I didn't, you know, that growing up is kind of like, well, I don't want to do that. Yeah. What's that? Too much responsibility. It's like feelings. Oh, don't put them anywhere near me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> growing up, adulthood. Nah, you're all right. I'll stick over here in kiddlehood. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Mm. So, how from when? How did you find out about like NA, AA? you know, like 12-step type of stuff? So they used to come here. Um, they've been, NA has been coming here for years. So the last detox I did here was 2008, and they were coming here then. And uh, that room right in front of us, which is a little, with a ping-pong table and that, that has got an arc arch now, but it used to be totally blocked off. 
And that's where they used to have the NA meetings. Oh, no way. And I remember coming up and there was just one man. And I think he read some literature. But I only come up to buzz off them because they were like, you know, let's go up there and buzz off NA lot. Yeah. <laughs> in, the big, in the big BMs. You know, I used to see them coming in the big BMs in the car park. Yeah. You know. And I didn't get it because I wasn't ready. Yeah. You know, I wasn't ready. But that was my first introduction to NA and totally dismissed it. That's not going to work. I wouldn't even say that's not going to work for me because I didn't want anything to work for me because I loved taking drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there was consequences, but, you know, my mum always managed to catch me before I hit rock bottom. Yeah. You know, shopping, electric, mum, you know. Yeah, I know that one too well. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I used to come in this place, me mum, and didn't want to grow up, was still codependent, you know? Yeah. So when you had your child and stuff, where was your partner at this time? Was he...? He actually come in this unit for the last six weeks. So he was clean as well. Oh, that's really good. Yeah, they actually had us in there together. Wow. Bless them, man. Bless them, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. We were in here for the last six weeks, yeah. Um, it didn't last when we got out. No. It didn't. Like I said, I didn't know about mental obsession. No. Physical compulsion, self-centeredness, you know, insanity. All them words that I know now. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Constantly thinking about how less than I felt, how crap as a mother I felt anyway, crap as a human being. I've already been in detox, I've just turned 19. Already I've, you know, been in a detox, I've got a baby, I've got to look after a flat, he's in and out of jail, getting nicked all the time. I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Someone teach me what to do, because I don't know, you know? I don't, yeah. I don't know how to be a mum. Who's Zoe? I don't know who Zoe is. I'm lost, I'm scared, I'm lonely, I'm walking around pretending to everyone that I'm all right, you know? And I'd take the baby to, you know, my partner's mums and I'd leave her there for days. Yeah. Because I'd be off smoking. I, I'd, I'd rather be absolutely, Pink Floyd said it, comfortably numb. That's what I wanted to be. That was my 24-7 job, yeah? Wake up to go back to sleep. Yeah. In this constant state of numbness. And I so desperately wanted to love my daughter. I so desperately wanted to be this Mary Poppins mother who woke her up with a bird singing and, you know, flying her breakfast. I so wanted to be that. Yeah. I could never do it because drugs always got in the way, you know? And I could never understand why. And I thought, I used to think you're just a wrong one. Yeah. You're just a bad person, you. You're just a misfit, yeah? The black sheep. Yeah. You know all them labels that we put on ourselves? Yeah, it's all when that I negative self-talk. Yeah, yeah an addict who didn't know what she suffered with, you know? And doctors will tell you, oh, but you've got depression and anxiety. Yeah. I'm an addict. My life's crap. Of course I'm depressed, you know? Madness, absolutely madness. And then she went to live with um, his mum and dad because I couldn't look after her. Just can't cope anymore. I couldn't cope. All my money was going on drugs, you know. Uh, and I thought, she's better off. 
that tells you everything about the state I was in, doesn't it? Yeah, completely. She's better off without me, you know? But uh, it went on for a while, kind of like. He'd come out of jail, there was a lot of domestic violence. I had to live in hostels and everything. And I tried tried to bring her up in all these places. Yeah. You know? Because you got to remember there's people out there that go to them places that do a great job. Yeah. I just was not one of them, you know? And, uh, yeah, she went to live with his mum. And um, then I got her back. And then I got pregnant on my second daughter. Same thing, though. Only I stayed using drugs for a little longer. Yeah, but you ended up back in half and Back in half and when, you know... Same shit, different day. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. Eat, sleep, rave, repeat. Totally. Nothing different about my life. No. Still using drugs, stick, still sticking needles all over me. Only I'm probably using more and injecting in places that I never thought I would. Yeah. Because that was always a theme. I, I haven't got a problem. I don't do heroin. I started yeah. doing heroin. Yeah, but I'm all right because I only smoke it. I don't inject it. Started injecting it. Yeah, but I'm all right because I've still got my kids. <laughs> lost my kids. Well, I'm all right. I'm not homeless. Slept outside of the factory. Well, at least I haven't lost one of my legs. I'd always move the goalpost. It's them yet, myself. isn't it? Definitely. I haven't I'm done that still yet. alive doing this podcast, I don't know. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. But I was not meant to die, you know? I was meant to be one of the people that shines that light on recovery for the struggling. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 100%. That's all I do now. When I come into recovery, someone said to me, be who you needed when you were younger. That's powerful. And I was that. like, wow. Because there was no visible recovery for me. Visible no. recovery for me was you'd never see them for months. Oh, they're clean. Yeah, are they? I'd never see them. Or I'd go to, you know, one of the local drug dens and, oh, yeah, don't clean me if you got a one mil. I'm just, I'm just having a bag, I'm clean. And that was clean, that was my evidence. Yeah. If I wanted, you know, evidence of what recovery was, that was it. So what that message was, was that you didn't get clean. Yeah. And turn your life around. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. You, you stay a drug addict forever. If you make it that long. Yeah. You know? So when I come into recovery, I just... I just knew that I had to be the change that I wanted to see. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What was enough's enough for you there? What what made you want to like to come into recovery? Like what made you So I'd had three children removed that my mum took for me. Yeah. Went into rehab, met someone, got with them, got my youngest daughter back, um, had a baby boy. And uh, things just went really wrong. It was like living a nightmare and I couldn't escape it. Yeah. There was emotional abuse, there was violence. And I was just, I wasn't a victim. I have always been a willing participant yeah. in everything, yeah? I've never been a victim, I'm a willing participant. But I suppose it was kind of not what I expected. I wanted the knight in shining armour, me. Yeah. I'm just that girl who wants to be loved. I get that. You know? Yeah. And I was hard work as well. I was violent, you know? But uh, there was an incident. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go into great detail about that, but there was an incident and um, my daughter had to go and live with my mum, you know? 
a ne, I had my little boy. I'm a drug addict. I've come out of rehab. I've got into this relationship. It's abusive on both parties. Yeah. You know, I've gone back to taking drugs. And I've got this little boy who I love dearly and I so wanted it to be different with my son. I'd always wanted a boy. Yeah. I've got three beautiful girls, but I'd always wanted a boy. And I get to this little boy and, you know, just totally messed it up. Not messed it up. Yeah, messed it up. But again, I took the same problems that I had into a different upbringing of another child. It's that insanity. Insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Yep. You know? Just so desperately searching and trying all the time to make it. Do you know what I mean? So desperately wanted to get out of the life that I was in, but never knew how. Yeah. And how, how, how I'm even alive now, I don't know. Because, you know, some of the situations I've got myself in and the things I've done and the overdoses and, the, you know, getting threatened to get shot, people threatening to stab me because I've had a morph and yeah. I didn't care. I didn't care. Do it. That's what I was like. Do it then. Don't, yeah. don't phone me up and tell me you're going to do it. Do it. You know, I was ballsy. But uh, here I am. Well, it's amazing that you're here after everything you've Jeez. been through. Well, it just shows you, though, anyone can... We do recover, don't we? Totally. Yeah. So it's just about being that role model. That's it. I can. I, it's mad, you know, because I can relate to your story so many in so many ways. Like, mm. I, like I proper can see like me in you, like yeah, like that, like numbness, like comfortably numb, like that. Yeah. Give me goosebumps, that because I totally relate to that, and like just like the things, like the coping mechanisms you had, like yeah. the self harm, and like yeah. that. Um, eating disorders and that, yeah. that's totally me. And being negative to myself, like that's where I feel most comfortable. Yeah. When I'm negative, that's where we're all most comfortable. It's like a default setting, isn't it? Yeah. But you know what? I think of that little girl, like me as a baby, like, and I just, I feel so sad for myself because I just think, well, don't be horrible to me. Look at look at baby Caitlin, yeah. baby me, and it, it just makes me want to like baby Caitlin and hug her, cry, and tell her that yeah. She's enough. Hug baby Caitlin, and tell her, do you know what, you're enough. Yeah, Caitlin is enough. You know, you weren't to blame. Totally, but honestly, Zoe, like I proper feel like a connection. Yeah, with you, yeah. That's nice. That you're really cool. Oh, thank honestly. you. Honestly, <laughs> really, I have really paid cool. her to say that, by the way. <laughs> she has. <laughs> I only asked So. You're in recovery. Yeah. So they say in recovery, don't they? What do they say? It takes you. Is it two years to sober up? Um, I'm not too sure. I know there's some like kind of like statistics out there that two years or more. And then they say, oh, sort of like, I should know this really, but I don't. That's but right. I do remember this bit, the rest of your life to grow up. Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, there's so many slogans out there. Isn't yeah. There? You but know. what was it like for you, like getting in, you know, to in NA and stuff? Like, did you find it hard? Like, so what happened is I was in jail, so I got three and a half years, and um, so I had to do a year and a half in custody. 
And I knew, I just knew it was like that conscience, my spirit was done. Yeah. My soul was destroyed. Yeah. Do you know, like, you know when you're done. It's yeah. like if I if I got went to an all-you-can-eat buffet, and because I'm an addict, there's no just one plate for me, is there? No. <laughs> I'm eating, and then until you can't physically eat anymore, and, and you it's go, I'm coming back home as you're eating more. Yeah. yeah. That was me at the end of my using, not just with substances. It wasn't just the, the drugs. It wasn't just the physical, the mental, the emotional damage I was doing to myself. It was, I couldn't live that life anymore. Yeah, physically, you just... You can't, you don't. It wasn't a life, I, was, I wasn't living, I was existing. Yeah. I was floating, not even floating, I was crawling. Because yeah. that's how low I felt in myself. And then my kids and I just so desperately wanted to be a mum, you know? Yeah. I so desperately wanted something different and I tried loads of times. I was in the substance misuse service and one man, Kevin his name was, and he turned around to me and said, I know what it's like to be you. Now, my, my big shout was like, when they'd say to me, just don't use. What, you've ever been addicted to drugs? Yeah. No, I haven't. So you don't know what it's like. So yeah. don't tell me to do something you've never done. Dead arrogant I was, do you know what I mean? And this man went, but I have been. I have been you. And look at me now. And I went, wow. Wow. And it ignited a flame in me. What I know now is a passion and a hope flame. Yeah. yeah? That if he could do it, I could do it. And I wanted to be a drug worker. That's amazing. I wanted, it, it ignited something in me yeah. that went, I want to do that. Because what he's ignited in me, I want to ignite in other people. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Totally. So I always had this dream. And when I was in jail, I was just like, do you know what? I can't do the rattles anymore. I know I have got another use up in me. Yeah. I know I could walk. Go away from this podcast now. Go straight to Morrison's. Or any other shop, I'm not promoting Morrison's, but yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Alcohol is a drug. If I wanted a substance, I'd go there. Yeah. You know? And it's kind of like, I knew I'd had enough. I knew yeah. that wasn't the way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I know I haven't got another getting back. Because I go to Morrison's after here, don't expect me in work tomorrow. One, my head's going to be absolutely melted at the fact I've picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll start thinking of everything I've lost. Yeah. Because I'm projecting and maximising everything. I'm a drama queen. Of course, like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've lost everything on the pity pot. Yeah. It's not the using I haven't got another in me because I know I've got plenty of using in me if I wanted it. Yeah. You know? It's the getting back I haven't got. Yeah. Because after rehab, where I met that lad, I was smoking, I was going out drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't start smoking weed straight away, but... I didn't get the association of alcohol being a drug, you know? Yeah, because it's so socially acceptable and it's everywhere. Yeah. I was in Lancaster. It's a yeah. student population. You've got, you've got, it's party central every night. Yeah. And I was going out drinking and it's just like, you know, all that kind of like um, party lifestyle. But uh, yeah, I know I haven't got another getting back in me because that's how it starts. It starts with just the... You know, the one. Yeah. Well, I'm having alcohol. I walk into a wherever, a toilet or 
Well, I might as well have something else and then something else and then something else. Well, yeah, it's the gateway, isn't it? The and then gateway. I'm back sticking needles in myself, seeing what happened there. Yeah. And I ain't got another getting back from that because, like I said, I was in Lancaster. And I, even though I was drinking, that was my idea of clean. That's yeah. what people did. And uh, so I had a little bit of clean time and I got I got some vol work with a little, um, like, social services like going out and helping, taking the kids out. And oh, that. yeah. And I got a level three in children and young people. And when I relapsed and lost everything again, it was a bitter pill to swallow. Yeah. You know? And I stayed in a relapse for years until I went to jail. And that's what I knew I didn't have another of. You know, all this getting better, being sick, shitting through the eye of a needle, yeah. throwing up, not sleeping, not eating. Yeah, not showering for days because you can't let the water physically touch yeah, your skin. Yeah, because it hurts. Do you know what I'm saying? You're full of guilt, shame, remorse, sadness, sorrow, regret. Yeah. Absolutely riddled in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I know it too well. Yeah. So that's what I ain't got another of. I know I've got another use up in me. No matter what drug it is, I ain't got another getting back. And that I know. Especially as well, the mental aspect of it. Like, you've actually achieved something. Yeah. Like, you know... Getting that voluntary work, taking those people out, getting, you know, your level three, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you've experienced that. You've experienced, you know, doing, like, good. Yeah. And then to lose it all. Yeah. That, that pain. Oh, the pain. It's a bitter pill to swallow. It's yeah. the pride. It's the pain. It's the all the residual stuff that you've got buried from years ago. Yeah. You know? It tapped straight into that. That trauma. Straight away that I knew I was just, I'd never do it. Mm. I knew I'd fail. And all that stuff we tell ourselves. Yeah. Reach for the stars. Why? Because I'm never going to make it. So I'll just stay here in my comfort. Yeah, I'll wallow in my relapse yeah, for a few years. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I knew I was done. I got to jail and my heart hurt. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. My if heart you, hurt. Zoe, if you don't mind me asking, what did you go to jail for? Possession with intent to supply. Yeah. You know? True. Um, I needed it. Yeah. You know, I needed it. I needed that jail sentence because that's where I was introduced to NA. Do you think that was like your rock bottom? That was a spiritual awakening yeah. of many. <laughs> that was one of my first... It was, I mean, I was already spiritually dead. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um spiritually, physically, emotionally, socially bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I just remember going to jail, a shell of who I was, abscesses all over me, you know, looking at five to eight years in jail because that's what they wanted to give me originally. Wow. And I just knew that it was like, look how many years you've been doing this for. Yeah. yeah. It's like something guided me in jail. Yeah. So I work a spiritual program, a 12-step yeah. fellowship. And uh, we talk about God guided in there, you know. For me, it's not a religious God. Mine is nature, yeah? Yeah. Karma, that kind of stuff. Spirituality. I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, yeah. But something guided me in there. I remember the man that used to run the programme. So in there, it was the RAMP programme, um, Reduction and Motivational Programme. I think I've got that right. But anyway, yeah. I used to go on there and... He was an addict and he used to tell us all the stuff he'd done and I used to be like, another one again, another role model. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'd met one years ago and then he was like, he just used to say to me, Zoe, you're an addict. You're self-centred to the core. You've got a mental obsession. 
you are physically compulsed to keep using when you put that first one in. And I used to go, wow, he's a proper guru, him. He's got like a magical ball. Because no one had ever... There's a saying I've got, right, and it's... When I was in addiction, I just wanted someone to hear me without me even saying a word. Yeah. Now that inner scream, yeah. that inner cry. Are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. And I'd be dying inside. And it was like he reached... I'm a bullshit as well. Do you know what I mean? Because I was a blagger, an excuse for everything. Yeah. I've just got a drug problem. You're an addict. And I used to go, wow. And he used to say things about me because, like, we'd all be sharing our life in there, like I'm doing with you now, yeah. but as part of the programme. And he used to go, look, self-centeredness. And I used to go, wow. And he'd say to me, you need to go to NAU. The only experience I'd had was that. And I said, I don't want to go. What do I want to go there for? Yeah. I'd be daft. But he planted a seed. You know, I believe recovery is about planting seeds and whether they sprout roots and grow into beautiful flowers, whether they stay seeds, whether they fall off, whether they don't ever open. Yeah. It's not my job. My job is to plant it. Yeah, I like yeah. that. That's my job. That's all I'm doing now, blowing seeds out. Yeah. You know, but he heard me without me saying a word and I was like, he planted the seed and they had any meetings in jail, but I was too scared to go. I started chasing drugs in jail. You know, I was doing all the subutex to buying it illegally in there, swapping your tobacco. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff in your canteen and that. But something said to me, you need to stop this, you know. You go out of jail, back on, like you wouldn't have even got off him, would you? Yeah. But I was fighting for my son as well, my son back. And I just knew that. I went to a detox, got used to it, back in and there. Yeah. Went to rehab, got used to it. I, wasn't, I didn't have a problem going back there again. Yeah. Jail, I'd have got comfy in there as well. But that would have been the reality. You know, one of these girls, God bless them as well, they're still suffering out there who think that jail's a way of life because that's all they've got. Yeah. And it used to break my heart, man. And I just knew. And plus the way some prison officers would speak to them, you know, shut up, you little smackhead. I used to think, you're not speaking to me. Yeah, no way. I've seen things from a different perspective. And I just knew I needed to change, you know. Um, so for the last six months in my jail, I got transferred to Low Newton. I was in Manchester in style. And I got transferred to Low Newton. And that seed was just rattling round. And that seed opened a little bit and it went, why don't you stop chasing drugs in jail? Why don't you get clean in jail? Wow, actually get clean. And it was torture, but I did it. And I was clean for the last six months in my jail. That's amazing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I remember I was on the wing and I was phoning my mum. Long story cut short, she didn't want me to come back to Wrexham. There'd been a few high-profile crimes in Wrexham. And she was like, I don't want you coming back. Because the poor woman was terrified I was going to relapse. Yeah. Because that's all I'd ever done. I'd taught her that that's all I ever did. And she, you know, she didn't want that for me. Yeah. But I remember saying to her, I'm coming back to Wrexham, mum. I pro... And I stopped mid-sentence and I went, do you know what, mum? I was just about to say, I'm going to promise you I'll never use again. I said, I'm not. I'm going to show you. That's amazing. And I come back and they put me in a place in Penabrin in um, temporary accommodation. I won't say the name of it. Yeah. Because um, I haven't got a very high opinion of it. And it wipe your feet on the way out. Yeah. That's where they put all the, the homeless and the in and out of jailers and... You know, anyone who was looking for the council to take duty of care over them. Yeah. It was rough, you know, uh, wearing flip-flops in the shower and all that. 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, they put me there and straight away, you're putting someone who's been clean for six months, just come out of jail, and you're putting me in a house full of users. Proper, like yeah. high risk, yeah. That. But that little seed that had been planted about NA, I had to go to the um, probation. And they said to me, ah, oh, blah, blah, is your support worker? Now I'd known this girl, I'd used her, bought off her, she'd bought off me, yeah. I said, what do you mean? Thinking she's not, she's a blagger. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I met her and I went, she was like three and a half years clean at the time. And I went, how are you three and a half years clean? She said, I go to NA. Do you want to come? Bing bang. Wow. Just give me yeah. those bumps, lad. Bumps, do I want to come? Yeah. Straight away, boof. And it was in this room. I mean, it wasn't as nice as it is now. It was just um, black, old black chairs, no pool table and nice couches like it is now yeah. and nice chairs and tables and that. Did you feel intimidated walking in? Yeah, because even though I put a little bounce on, yeah, I've just come out of jail, I'm street me, I'm, you know, I'm a tomboy, <laughs> yeah. I'll fight you, who are you looking at, don't speak to me like that. You know, all the masks that we wear. Oh yeah, we've got many masks. Yeah, that scared, lost, lonely little girl was there, you know. And I come in this room and I was petrified. I don't think I opened my mouth in a meeting to the girls after or the lads, you know what I mean? Having a, but I couldn't open it up in a setting in a group environment. That's me, yeah, I get that. The self-obsession. If someone was speaking next to me, I'd start sweating. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? me. Don't look at me, don't look at me, don't look at me. Oh my God, oh, look at me. It's all about me. Yeah, Everyone's exactly. doing at me. No yeah. one's even bothered about you, so no. they're all too busy thinking about themselves. It's not all about you. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I had all that going on and I was living in that temporary accommodation and, you know, I was fighting for my son and I kept that first and foremost. Yeah. I kept that in the forefront of my mind, you know. I believed I'd get him back and I just knew that using drugs wasn't going to get me that. Yeah. And I never got him back. You know, he got adopted and I had to face that clean. Yeah. You know. And I actually relapsed the day before his birthday. So his birthday's on the 11th of April. And on the 10th of April, I went to a party and I just went, you know what, I've had enough of this. Using on the fact that it was his, you know, I was dead early in. I hadn't worked a programme. I hadn't got yeah. all the stuff that you need. And uh, it actually turns out that now my clean time birthday is on my son's birthday. Wow. Because the day, first day I got clean after that, thankfully, it was only a little one day relapse. Yeah, yeah. You know, it could have been a lot, not it could have been a lot worse, but thankfully, NA picked me back up, you yeah. know. But my first day clean was on his birthday and I was like, that's a gift from God. That isn't a coincidence. I don't believe no. in them anymore. I believe in God incidences. Yeah. And remember my kind of like concept of God is a lot different. It's not someone on a white cloud, a yeah. Christian, a Muslim, a Hindu, it's none of that. Like I said, I'm spiritual. Yeah. You know, but I ain't got a problem with the word God. It's yeah. your concept, isn't it? It totally yeah, it is. Your and concept. I believe that was a gift from God. And uh, I've kept the same clean date ever since. That's amazing. You know, it, I can't make direct amends to my son because he was adopted. Because the judge was like, "Tell me you're never going to use again," and I couldn't. I've got twenty odd years of relapse. Let's look at that on paper. Let's look at that. Don't look good, does it? You've got three children took off you. I was just just statistic, you, you know, you're entrenched addict, you never amount to nothing, you know. And um, I was out here in the community and I come to NA and do you know what? 
The fellowship, the people in it picked me up, dusted me down, wiped me tears, fed me, hugged me, told me to just keep coming back. Yeah. Finally found somewhere I belonged. And I didn't need to buy a bag in order to be part of it. Yeah. I didn't need to get paid at 12 o'clock at night. Do you know what I'm saying? I didn't need to buy affection. Yeah. It was just like, turn up. Wow. Okay. And we used to have this sense of humour I love, man, in NA. Yeah. The banter. Yeah, I was miserable enough in addiction, man. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sticking needles in your groin, living at animal level, walking round in the same clothes, day in, day out, no showering, brushing your teeth. Yeah. Going to the toilet, there's no toilet roll. Yeah, and you're just carrying on. Yeah. That is not normal. But yeah. I normalised it, yeah? And I just thought, do you know what? I can't go back. No. It's not, I've got to do something different. You know what I'm saying? But these people were telling me that they'd done it as well. I was like, what? So you, you've done that? You've neglected your kids? You, you've pawned their toys? You've robbed your mum? You know, and it was like, wow. I'd never experienced that. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, I was a heroin addict, but oh, my kids never suffered. Of course they never. There's an impact. The ripple effect goes far and wide, doesn't it? Yeah. But... It was, it, was, it was the same, but different, yeah? Because they were all clean. And they all had nice clothes on and makeup and could carry themselves dead well and laughing and it's the laughter, the hugs, you know? And I was like, wow, I've actually found somewhere I fit in. They're all a bit nuts like me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So uh, a day turned in, you know, the, the days were adding up and I was going to a recovery hub in um, the town and... We'd all, we were just a big community, man. We were just a big recovery community. And uh, we did everything together. We'd go to meetings at night together. We'd do groups in the day together. We'd go for dinner together, tea together. We'd voluntary, do voluntary work together. We were just a big family, you know? That's lovely. Yeah. So uh, early recovery was a family affair. Recovery, now still a family affair. Yeah. You know? There's people I hold as family that aren't blood. And that their relationships with my real family have got better. Yeah. You know? That's amazing, though. Yeah. Did you say, like, a life beyond your wildest dreams? Yeah. Lost dreams awaken as well, because I always had the dream, but I pushed it to the side. Yeah. And I've got clean and the dreams come back to the surface. It's mad the way it just... Things just fall into place yeah. for you. And that's them God incidences that I talk yeah. about. Yeah. Little winks from the universe. There you are. I like that. Little that's winks saying. from the universe. Yeah, Little that's good. Hi. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> that's brilliant, that. Yeah. And that, that's kind of like, you know, I got paid employment. I got my own little flat. Pay my own bills. Nothing's been easy in me recovery. Yeah. I've had to fight like mad to get that flat. Because we don't really want to give you a one-bedroom flat and we want to put you in areas which are absolutely devastated by drugs. But I can't go down there. Cause... Yeah, but that's where you go. But I need a two-bedroom property for me kids. Yeah. yeah, but you haven't got your kids, so we're not going to give you one. So I fought and I fought. Eventually got a two-bedroom flat, moved in, got a job. You know, because of my criminal convictions and everything. But you're working with vulnerable adults. They, they look and they judge. Not yeah. the place I was working for, by the way. I'm on about society outside uh, yeah. of that. The place where I worked welcomed me and, yeah. you know, I've been there for seven years. But, you know, like, 
there's not, like I said, there wasn't many living examples. There wasn't people who got clean and stayed clean. You're going to tell us that you're going to get clean, yeah? And you might look all right. You've brushed your teeth and washed your hair today. But you'll soon be back on it and then you'll owe us loads of money and you'll wreck... Do you know what I mean? All yeah. That. But eventually things started happening and I got the flat and I got my job and my daughter come back to live with me. It's amazing. You know? Things started happening that I never thought would happen because I didn't ever believe I could get that. You and know? now you're living it. Now I'm paying television licenses and water rates. I'm offended that I have to pay water rates and television <laughs> licenses and I can't put my electric on the fiddle. <laughs> it's different today. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't dream. Doesn't it feel amazing now? Like I've actually, you've, you've got a conscience now. Yeah, but sometimes I wish I didn't have it. Yeah. You know, it, it, listen, it, it's kind of like, of course I love doing the right thing. I love being a productive member. I love living on this side. Do you know, all my bills are paid, my flat's clean, you know. But again, there's still there's still discrimination out there and there's still stigma and people still judge you on who you was rather than who oh you God, are. Oh, God, yeah. You know, I've just applied for university and, oh, no, we're not going to accept you. Why? Well, you were selling drugs. It's a danger to the, to the public. Ridiculous. You know, risk to the public and the nature of the nursing profession. And I'm like... I've been working in a clinic. Yeah, but it's not an NHS setting, is it? They'll always judge you. Yeah. So that's just... And you'll have a well more of a clue what people are going through more than half them, if not more than half yeah. people that work in their field. Do you know what it'll be, what it'll be? I've, I had a panel before, so yeah. I appealed that decision not to allow me on the court. Yeah, good for you. And um, I've had another panel today. But again, I've got to justify what happened in 2013, even though I'm over seven years clean. Yeah. Even though, you know, I pay all my bills, I haven't committed a crime, I work in here with vulnerable adults, I've worked with children, I've trained the Greater Manchester Police, you know. I still have to go up to a body and, like, beg them to let me in. Yeah, it's not right, though. Yeah. Oh, well, the NMC, and it's just like, you know. They're crying out for nurses, they've got someone who's biting Chomping at the bit. Yeah. Yeah, but you can't come on. You can't be a nurse. Well, why don't you do it this way? So I can't be a nurse on that course, but you want me to do a nursing course this way. Why? Yeah, how do you make that if one? I'm not good enough to be a nurse there? Yeah, but you don't have to go through the NMC. So let's have a look at that. I'm going to do four years training instead of three and still not get passed as a nurse and get a registration. It don't make sense. Yeah. What's the NMC? The um, Nursing and Midwifery Council. Oh. So it's the nurses, you get registered on like a, a register and you have a pin, which is a number of what nurse you are. Oh, yeah. So, oh, but, you know, the, the nature of the nursing profession and, you know, I believe that I'd be good at that. Yeah. I believe I would be a great mental health nurse, but I'm still coming up against prejudice. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I can't. They've got their procedures and they have to protect the patients. But I've been working with patients for seven years. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter how long you're clean and what no. you do in your life. I've won awards. I've been on, you know, BBC News. I've done all these newspaper. If you'd have seen the references I got, I'm blessed to have worked with some beautiful people. 
in my life, in you know, like in my recovery. Yeah. And they've done me references. And I'm not on about ex addicts either. No. But they're still saying, oh, but the NMC, the NMC, you, you were done for selling drugs. I said, not exactly Pablo Escobar. Yeah, exactly. I was a little mule. It's like county lines, it's known as today, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? I've never hid it. On, on, on the 6th of May, when you made that declaration, you know, it is what it is. I'll find a way to get where I want. And that's what I like. You just said that, you'll find a way. It's very inspiring. Thank you. Don't give up, you know what I mean? I want to, don't get me wrong, I want to. Yeah. But it's that thing, isn't it, when, when you want to give up, just remember who's watching. Yeah. And I've got too many people watching. And I don't mean as in watching me, because I think I'm that, I think I'm that special. I <laughs> You're don't mean that like girl, that. yeah. But how am I a role model if I fold? I'm yeah. not, because I folded and I've gone back to all I know. So even though it's hard and I cry myself to sleep most nights and I can't sleep most nights, yeah, yeah, and I'm living on my wit's end because I'm stressed, because I want to progress, I have to remember that, you know what? God ain't let me down. I'll yeah. have another wink from the universe soon. Of course you will. You know? But it's disheartening. I feel kicked about at the minute. Yeah. You know, I'm getting emotional now. It's like, it's raw, man, when you get knockbacks after knockback after knockback. I give them all this patient feedback, you know. Zoe's an inspiration, you know. And sometimes I feel that I'm still not good enough, which just taps into all that residual, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. All that residual stuff from addiction, but, you know, it'll be what's next. I yeah. just have to dust myself down and heal a little bit. That's it. You know, keep... life's always going to knock you down. Yeah. It's how you get back up. That's it, Zoe, you know? yeah. You keep going, girl. And you know what? It doesn't matter how long you're in recovery, like, or how many years clean you've got. Not only are you still going to have people like that judging, people who... Like, on in our position, people who don't understand, but we're, we're always gonna have those, you know, like that voice, that negative voice, that horrible bastard voice, yeah. you know, yeah. you're not good enough. Exactly. I but, said that to him today, I was like- But it's how you cope with it. And I think you, you seem to me that you, you cope a lot better than you did these days. That's but that's why Zoe would never put in for university. Yeah. Because Zoe would just get knocked back, so what's the point anyway? Yeah. And it kind of backs that up when I do it and I do get knocked back. Yeah. You know? But that's life sometimes, you know. Perhaps God's put me in the path of the university to carry a message to them that we do recover. Yeah. That you can get clean, stay clean. Yeah. That you don't have to believe, you know, you don't have to let society pigeonhole you, stigmatise you. You don't ha you can shout, have a voice and say, okay, you know? Yeah. Oh, you could do your studying for three years and then still not be registered. Let's go. Yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. You know, put a risk assessment plan in place. I'll have regular supervisions. If I have to do twice as much work, I'm willing. The end result isn't mine. The end result is theirs, isn't it? Yeah. You know? But um, I've got some good support. Yeah. I've got some great people in my life. The girls that I work with in Haviland, I have to sell men as well because there's women and men. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're, you know we're, we're, we're a tight set of colleagues. Yeah. You know, so I've got support there. I've got support in the meetings that I attend. 
You know, I've got family support. I've got a lot of support, you know. And that's so important, isn't it? Yeah. I believe we can achieve anything with the right support. So do I. But it's it's the understanding, it's the feeling heard. Yeah. You know, because I said to them today, you, you meet someone on the inner child level, don't you? Yeah. You meet that child. And I've had men kicking off at me in the detox, women kicking. It doesn't faze me because I see the scared, lonely, lost little boy or little girl that they are. And that's how I teach that's how I reach them, should I say. Yeah. Yeah, that's how I connect on that level. And I was saying that today, it's not about, you know, it's not about awards I've won or, um, you know, radio, you know, newspaper. It's about that ability to connect and it's about the impact that I have on the patients. Yeah. Yeah. That's what matters. So when they're saying to me, oh, but we have to safeguard patients. No, behave. Yeah. Yeah, sort your head out. But it's out there still, isn't it? Yeah. Hence why there's, you know, people with six-bedroomed houses who are raging prescription medic. This It's coming out now about sports stars being addicted to prescription medication. Yeah. Gambling. You know, there's a big initiative that we've got here with Gamble Aware. Because gambling's out there. Yeah. Sex addiction. But too, people are too scared to say anything because the world still stigmatises you. Yeah. You know? It's up to us to prove them wrong, by the way, as well. And that's, I like that, yeah. You know? We go again, don't we? We do, yeah. It's just... Uh, you're going to have your knockbacks. Rocky said it. It's not how hard you can hit, yeah? Life isn't about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you get hit. Keep moving forward. Dust yourself down and keep going. That's how winners are made. I and I believe that. that. Yeah. Oh, I feel all like pumped up, oh, ready to go now. <laughs> oh, I've loved this little interview. Oh, you know. me too. Well, this little chat we just had. Yeah, a chat, we just we? two girls on the couch having two, a ball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, like I am, um, I've been dying to like meet you prop, like get to know you a bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And when I, when I heard last week that I'd be interviewing you, I was like, oh my god. Oh. I was a bit nervous, but I was like, nah, she's proper cool here. Like, oh. um, but I'm really excited. I feel like this is a wink for me, a little wink off God. Yeah. Beautiful moment. It's like our little introduction yeah. to who knows. Yeah. You know? It's been lovely seeing you again. Yeah, you too. And chatting to you and seeing how far you've come. Yeah, oh, thanks. You know? It's nice, isn't it, when people get brought back together and, yeah. you know, You've made me feel at ease, so thank you. Oh, good. And you've done the same for me. And you know what? You've you feel like home. Yeah. Everyone needs that safe space, don't yeah. they? Yeah. I feel like we've heard each other today. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So thank you for letting me in You're more to your life as well. You're more than welcome, man. If you've been affected by any of the topics in this episode, please reach out to a trusted contact or seek a professional for support. Thank you for listening, and that was mine and Zoe's convo. There are so many similarities I noticed from our conversation to my own story. Growing up as a child, those sneaky behaviours, when you're too young to even know the difference between, or even what right from wrong even is. I feel like people in recovery think when you've heard a few stories, you think you've heard it all before, but then someone can just come along and share something, and you just think, wow. That's me. It's mad how it works.
I really loved chatting with Zoe today. Hope you can join us next time where I speak with Aid. I was nervous about going into this as it was our first time meeting, but he was lovely and made me feel comfortable and at ease. From the moment we started chatting, he took me under his wing. He was so honest and true to himself. He gave us good insight into his life in recovery and addiction and great advice for people in all stages of recovery. He makes recovery less daunting and actually something to look forward to. That's all for now. See you next time.